Hello and welcome back to A Method to the Madness, the weekly podcast where we discuss, analyse, and otherwise ponder our favourite films and television. I'm your host, Patrick, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mitchie. They called me a madman. <laughs> and this week, we are covering <laughs> Avengers Endgame, the 2019 film written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, starring... I'm just going to say the main six. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson, and Jeremy Renner. And Josh Brolin, who I was just imitating there. And Josh Brolin, sorry. If anyone didn't know, that yeah, was me yes. pretending to be Thanos <laughs> with some sick fucking voice mods. Yeah, I always forget that Josh Brolin played Thanos. Like, it's just that good. Like, he's just that synonymous with Thanos at this point. Yeah. Well, he's also the baddie in Deadpool too. Was- Remember that? Yeah. And I watched um, American Gangster the other day, and he's a villain in that. It's pretty good. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I watched No Country for Old Men the other day. He was good in that, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in that, too, eh? Yeah, he's a main character. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? No. Isn't... Um... Tommy Lee Jones, him, and and the fucking... The baddie. They're the three main characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah. As always, we'll get our general impressions of the film, and this time around, uh, Mitchie, just give me your general overall experience with the MCU. Yeah, so uh, the first Iron Man movie was 2008, right? Yeah. I believe, yeah. yeah. And that's what obviously began this universe. And Is that when the Dark Knight came out as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah I like how this the MCU, the development of the MCU over the last 12 years has really kind of hit both of us in terms of our age at kind of a good spot because... The first one came out when we were fairly young, but we were old enough to comprehend it. And now here we are growing up, sort of, and we've watched the final film. And it's like, you know, we, we grew up with the MCU in a sense. I think we like through our teenagehood, the MCU was kind of like a big thing for us. Hmm. And it always has been a big thing for me. Patrick seems to think I don't like it, but that's not true. I actually quite like the MCU. And I always enjoyed watching all the movies. Some of the movies are pretty bad, but, like, I still enjoyed watching them anyway, like Thor Dark World, which everyone hates. But <laughs> overall, I really do enjoy the MCU. And honestly, like, Endgame, I love it considerably. It's, I can't, I don't know which one's my favorite movie. It's very hard for me to pinpoint that, but Endgame's definitely, like, in the top three. It just concludes all those things, all those films that I watched growing up so well and just pays homage to, like, so many different things so aptly that... You know, like, considering what they had to work with, the directors, I'm so impressed. And while there's a couple plot holes and, and loose ends that they haven't quite tied off properly, I'm absolutely satisfied with it. It, it is an epic, and I just love it. I fucking love this series, as does as do a lot of people. And I think, as you say, Endgame is just such an apt finale to this saga. And what I love about it is that it just... It is so unabashedly proud of the legacy that it has yeah uh you know you say like like thought the dark world is one of the worst movies and i agree but i love how in endgame they go back to thought the dark world do they yeah yeah the, the Th- thor when he goes back to asgard oh right th- yeah it's, it's in the setting of thought the dark that, world yeah that's why it's so vague to me because i can't even remember when his mum died so it was in that movie yeah so that's why i don't remember it yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah, fair enough right okay but i mean yeah like it's this movie, th- this franchise knows how uh, much people care about all these movies, yeah. And as a result, they've clearly put so much passion into this. They have, 
Yeah, yeah, and you know you can see it. You can see it in the end result. Yeah, well, because actually you say that, and like Endgame is actually kind of like you can tell they're proud of it, and one of the reasons why is the score. So in a lot of the previous movies, they kind of just made one score for the whole movie, and that's what they used. But in Endgame, they used all the scores from all the previous movies for all the different characters and kind of meshed it all into one. And to me, that mm. just kind of signifies that, like, they finally, like, adopting the universe. Like, you know, they're proud of it and, and they're going to use all the scores because the score is made by, like, you know, quite a lot of different people in each movie. And they're just using them all in this movie because that's what they want to do. They just want to wrap everything up and have everything concluded properly and make sure that everything that in the past was included in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And not, you know, the score is great. I also love their choice of uh, music. For example, the it opens with Dear Mr. Fantasy, which is, like, a great song. And what I'm really fucking impressed by is just the economy of the filmmaking in this movie. This movie does so many things. I'm just going to list them. First of all, it's a sequel to Infinity War, and it's has an equal amount of gravity to Infinity War. And I think those these two movies are like two halves of a whole. It pays homage to the entire MCU, as we were talking about. It provides pathos and meaningful ends to all their characters. First and foremost, it's still an action film, which is what all these films have been. It has the largest cast of A-list actors, I think, in any movie. And as we'll talk about, it's probably it's become one of the highest grossing movies. Not that, you know, that's neither here nor there, but... and. Above all that, despite it being so corporate and so Hollywood, they take it really seriously. Well, even the plot itself is quite serious because, like, they, they kind of still kept the humour from Thor Ragnarok in, in Thor's character. Yeah. But then they still gave him a serious side as well. Like, Infinity War was a very dark movie and Endgame was to some degree as well, but it was good that they also included some humour in it. And, like, it was just the perfect balance of all the different emotions that you'd expect from individual MCU movies. Like... You know, you got your typical MCU humor in it, but it wasn't over the top like in some movies. Like mm. some of the Thor ones have atrocious humor in it. W- would you say that it's perfectly balanced, as all things should be? <laughs> perfectly balanced, like all things should be. <laughs> yes, it certainly was. You just asked for that, mate. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get in the plot um, summary. Yeah, yeah, do that, please. Five years after the events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe and the now disbanded Avengers accept the reality that Thanos' actions are permanent after it is divulged that he destroyed the stones. However, there is one hope remaining. Scott Lang, learning the possibility of time travel after escaping quantum purgatory, proposes a plan to obtain the stones from the past to reset the snap in an elaborate time heist. A time machine is built and the Avengers reassemble, travelling to various nostalgic timelines to obtain the stones. After obtaining an all, Thanos' snap is reversed, bringing back the half of the universe that had perished in Infinity War. However, past Thanos incidentally learns of this time heist, and time travels himself to the present just after the reverse snap occurs. In the largest fight ever depicted in the MCU, Tony Stark is killed by the immense energies of the Infinity Gauntlet after using it to disintegrate Thanos and his army once and for all. In the aftermath, we are taken to Tony Stark's funeral, and the Infinity Stones are returned to their respective timelines. Thor joins the Guardians, Peter Parker returns home, and Steve Rogers finally retires, reuniting with past Peggy and growing old. End movie. And end. Phase 4 of the MCU, is that right? Phase 4, is it? Or is it Phase 3? I can't remember. No, no, Phase 3. 
Also, that's something I forgot to say, which I love about this movie, that it's a heist movie as well, on top of everything. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Like, I fucking love heist movies, yeah. Yeah, everyone, like, what is it with, um like, films and, like, you know when shit just, like, they got a plan and then they kind of, like, get ready to execute this plan and there's scenes where they're building shit and, like, figuring it out, then they execute the plan. It's just, like, so fun to watch when it's, well, like, done well. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about them, but, like, just you just love that shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a an episode in the newest Rick and Morty season uh, that's, like, a riff on heist movies. And yeah. it just pretty much criticizes how formulaic it all is. Yeah. And it's, like, <laughs> Morty's pitching it at the end. He's, like, yeah, and then there's this uh, a group of, like, skilled men come together and, you know, they something goes wrong in the middle and the bad someone double crosses them, but... That was the double cross was part of the the main guy's plan all along. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We should talk about though before anything else. How much money this movie made? Do you know how much it made? Um. Do you have, do you have an idea? Uh. Have a guess. I, I know that it's in the top five highest grossing movies now, right? Well, it depends. So it, it depends whether you include inflation or not, right? Which, like, I always thought like if you don't include inflation, that's just a fucking cop out. But it's a little bit more complicated than that because movies nowadays, they're not watched... Like, a lot of the money doesn't just come from the box office, which is generally what we mean when we say highest grossing a lot of the time. Like, there's a distinction there because in the past, people would only watch it at the cinemas because they didn't have TVs. But now that we've got TVs, so much more shit is watched online and stuff that we don't go to the cinemas as much. And it kind of blurs the distinction of it between it all. Yeah. But it is, if you don't adjust for inflation, Endgame is the highest grossing movie ever in the history of humanity. Although, I mean, it says $2.8 billion and it just beat Avatar by $7 million. And basically the big like difference here is is that avatar was in cinemas for a whole eight months while endgame was actually only in the cinemas for about three months yeah so really if they basically what they did was they they wanted to beat avatar monetarily and then once they did they kind of just cut it from the cinemas <laughs> but if they had kept it in the cinemas for a whole eight months as like avatar then i'm sure they would have gone not a whole lot higher but still like at least an extra half billion dollars or something like that right like it's crazy it's and and if you do adjust for inflation it's the fifth highest grossing film ever is gone with the wind still the highest yeah gone with the wind is still the highest then avatar still technically beats endgame if you adjust for inflation because it's 10 years old or 12 and um titanic and star wars actually the like the original star wars a new hope mm. as we call it now episode four which it wasn't called back then but yeah it's it's nuts. It, it um actually made the most money in one weekend, one point two billion dollars in the first weekend it, it came out, and the previous contender for that one was Infinity War, and it actually doubled that one. Shit. So in terms of like first time popularity, first time viewing in the first couple of days, Endgame just flogs it. It's crazy. What's crazy to me is that uh, Avatar was in cinemas for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sneaky, James Cameron. Like, it- because I, I never understood why he got... He always seems to have the highest grossing movies, James Cameron's. Like, you know, like, they, they're good movies, but, like, fucking Avatar is, like... Pff, like, I didn't even like it. Like, Titanic's good, but not Avatar to me. It's not great. And, like, why did they end up being the highest grossing movies? You know? Like, it makes sense that Endgame is. It's a conclusion of, yeah. like, 21 different movies in, in the Marvel Universe, which people have been reading comics for, like, decades, you know? Like, it's just... it's. If there's anything that's got to be top, it's got to be Endgame. I think that 
much like Spielberg, James Cameron is just a filmmaker who's really clear and concise, and it's like really good, you know, like weekend movies material. You know what I mean? But like, he hasn't made many movies. What else can you name apart from those two? Terminator, T2, Aliens. Oh, true, Terminator. Yep. Uh, that's about it. The Abyss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's done... But, like, Spielberg, at least, has done a lot of movies. Yeah. You know, a lot of classics. Yeah. I guess... I don't know. Anyway, this movie made a lot of money. And people say what you want about films and, and MCU films not being proper films or whatever the fuck. But it's put a lot of bread on people's tables, that's for sure. <laughs> well, hopefully it did, unless, like, a couple of greedy people took all the money, which is entirely possible as well. I don't know. Yeah, I recall the credits being, like, super long in this movie. The credits go for about, like, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Dude, the credits in this movie is, like, so good, though. Like, having the signatures of the actors and shit of yeah. the main Avengers. And, like, th- that was just fucking awesome. Yeah, it was a good send-off, eh? Yeah, definitely. Like, one of the best... It's probably one of the best closing credits I've seen in cinema. Like, Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're I- not usually that interesting. And I love how it doesn't have a post credit scene, too. Which no, just, no, but what does a clanging mean? Oh, it's, um, you know, Tony Stark in the cave in the first yeah, Iron it, Man. Yeah, it, it is, but what does it mean? Why? Is it just, just saying, like, remember this? This is what started Iron Man? Or does it mean more, like, he'll be back? No, yeah, I think the former. It's just a good little audible bookend to the whole saga. Nah. Nah, I reckon uh, uh, the uh, little kid in uh, that came to Iron Man, that came to his funeral, the one from Iron Man Three. He's the next Iron Man. What? And you think that clanging <laughs> symbolizes that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> nah, it's happening. I, Just you, eh? I'll be right. No, I, no, I, I do think that he will possibly become like Iron Lad or some shit in the future. Iron Lad. Yeah. Iron <laughs> like I'm Iron Kid. Beca- <laughs> yeah metal child <laughs> they've begun to set up like future avengers you know like uh hawkeye's daughter i'm pretty sure they they want her to be the you know hawkeye in the future I, yeah i don't know i don't and games just like finished it like i don't know it's just weird i don't know how it's gonna go from now on did you see the new spider-man no, I haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's actually yeah. is that the only one that's come out since Endgame? Yes, and it's a good like epilogue kind of like it's it surprisingly ties in really well with the Infinity Saga. Right, okay, I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah. At random, just passion is fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman, and what I predicted came to pass. Look. Pretty, isn't it? Perfectly balanced, this whole thing. Where are the stones? Gone. Reduced to atoms. You used them two days ago. He used the stones to destroy the stones. It nearly killed me. Right, so you want to, you have some qualms with this movie that you want to get into? I do, as a matter of fact. Because I know you think it's very well concluded, so I've got these propositions for you. All right, first thing I want to talk about, though, is that there's some people out there that think, you yeah, know, Thanos, Thanos' argument in Infinity War of wiping out half the universe makes sense. You know, like, what if there is overpopulation? It'd be really good kind of thing, right? And, like, yeah, you know, like, it, it ostensibly seems like a good argument, 
but I, I just came up with like a counter argument, which is that half is just arbitrary. Like there's no, it, it doesn't really make any sense in terms of keeping the balance firstly. Like, I don't know, I don't understand it from that point of view, but half isn't actually that much when you think about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, wouldn't the population just be back in a couple generations? Like, Yeah, exactly. So our population of Earth was half of what it is now in 1972, which is about 50 years ago. That's crazy. And that, in other words, that's 50 years is 0.000025% of the total existence of modern humans, right? So you're really only like wiping out that tiny little bit of like history, really, in terms yeah. of like population growth. And yeah, sure, like, it would disrupt the world to fuck if suddenly we wiped out half the world. And maybe it would take a bit longer for us to regain that half of the population. But I reckon, you know, upper upper estimates figure of a few centuries, you're just going to have it back to normal. Which is, like, a few centuries is, like, fuck all in terms of the age of, like, galaxies and shit, right? So, like, you know, like, Thanos just kind of, like, wipes out half the universe. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Doesn't he live for like hundreds of years or some shit because he's some fucking Titan creature? So by the time he's like an old fucking Titan, the universe is just going to be back to how it was, the same size again. And he's destroyed the fucking stones like a re- like an idiot. So <laughs> you know he's gonna he can't do it again. Like it, you know it's, his argument made no sense. It, it made more sense in Endgame just to wipe out the universe entirely and recreate it in his own image or whatever he wants. And yeah, just, yeah. I don't Before know. Endgame came out, I always thought Thanos's kind of conceit was to actually be a god i thought that him being this crusader to save all life was a show for his true intentions of wanting power but then in endgame it it turns out he actually was truthful about that which i don't know i thought i thought it would have been way more interesting if he was like this kind of egotistical guy you know i don't know i kind of i, I like aside from his stupid wiping out half the universe argument I really like Thanos' <laughs> character. Like, he's just so, like, it was so cool just to see him fucking, like, just going back to, like, I don't know, like a povo lifestyle and some hut, and he's just cooking away, and you almost feel sorry for him. Like, wow, yeah, like, yeah. what a humble dude. Like, he just did his mission, and, like, fucking that's it, you know? Like, like yeah, sure, he killed half the universe, but, like, you know, he didn't get power hungry at all. Like, I don't know. I just had some res- respect for him as an antagonist. Like, you know, it's not something you'd expect in a superhero movie. Usually a supervillain yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, I want to destroy everything and I want ultimate power. But this guy was just like, no, nah, I've got my mission. Yeah, my mission makes no sense, but I did it and that's it. It was so cool. Yeah. Anyway, so my main qualms, loose ends that I have. So I'll start with the shittest qualm that I have, the one that's not that significant. Yeah. So Gamora, she's technically back in the universe now, but she was killed in Infinity War for the Soul Stone, right? By Thanos. Right. Yeah, in Endgame, Black Widow was also killed for the Soul Stone, right? And she can't come back, so they said. So it it doesn't really make much sense. Like, I kind of get it because Gamora came from an alternate timeline, but, like, isn't the whole point of, like, the time travel in the MCU is that you can't really edit the future? So, like, by putting Gamora in modern times, presumably she'll be in one of the movies soon... It kind of like, it doesn't really make much sense really because she shouldn't exist in that universe since she was sort of killed for the soul stone in the past. And apparently if you kill for the, if you sacrificed for the soul stone, then you can't come back. That's the rule. Even if you have the infinity gauntlet, that's why they can't bring back. The whole thing about the inverted Mobius strip is that they can bypass all those paradoxes. But what I'm saying is, is that they can't bring Black Widow. So why can they bring back more? Like, I know it's another way that they brought it back, but it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't make like why not just kill her off? Like I, she didn't need to be in it. Like well, I don't know. It just it, it's kind of just confusing. Well, because they need to wrap up the Guardians franchise. 
Yeah, she died in Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That'd be a sad know. Guardians 3 I, if she wasn't in it. Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's ignore that one. That one's not great. But yeah, all right, next one, next one. So, so you know the ancient one when she's explaining to fucking Hulk yeah. about removing an Infinity Stone from a timeline, like, fucks the universe up? Yeah, That's yeah. why they have to return it? Yeah. Because she and she certainly says in that that um, scene, she's like, "Oh, if you remove the Infinity Stones, all darkness will descend on my universe, and the the powers of like chaos will reign over, and you know my universe will be fucked. So you have to return the stone, because it's implying that these stones have some sort of property that kind of protects the universe, which I think is like the original intention of them, right? Like they're the the source of the genesis of the universe kind of came from these stones. They were there at the creation of the universe. That's a story behind these stones. Right. So they're kind of necessary for the universe in a sense, right? But Thanos destroyed the stones in the in our MCU universe. So surely that's going to have some terrible implications for their <laughs> universe then. You know, like they don't have the stones anymore, but they, they are required. They're like necessary for the functioning of the universe. Well, isn't the whole thing about returning to the point that they were stolen is so that they never will be destroyed, so chronologically, it, everything's all good. In their, in that alternate universe, yeah, but in our universe, the one that we've always been watching, Thanos destroyed them, and he still destroys them. By the end of Endgame, we're back in our, um, we're still in the same universe that we've always has been, have been in, and they just kind of borrowed the stones from another timeline. But in terms of their universe, those stones are still not there. Right. Because Captain America returns them. It, it, because because they promised to do yeah. that. Yeah, is the implication that there were no there was no split in the timeline, that they're all in the same timeline throughout the whole movie? Because yep. yeah, so Yeah. At, so at some point there were like two of each infinity stone in the universe, if you think about it. Actually, no, 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 no. So, sorry, I kind of misunderstood what you said. So, so that, and I kind of like the time travel aspect in this and how they like kind of take the piss out of like usual time travel movies because it's kind of like you can't change the future. That's what this is about, right? So, they can't go back in yeah. time and reverse what Thanos did, i.e. cancel out the snap that he did in Infinity War because otherwise that would just create an alternate universe and they wouldn't live in that universe and the universe that they're already in, i.e. the one where half the universe was wiped out, still exists. And that's the one that they're always going to exist in. Yeah. So to kind of go back and grab the stones and borrow them and then reset the universe by reversing the snap, but you still have that five-year period where half the universe didn't exist. It's kind of a really cool concept. So it's not... And and, and, and I think... I used to think that time travel was a cop-out, but now that I've actually thought about it, because I didn't quite get it the first time, it's actually like time travel, but it's not what we used to in movies. It's kind of like using time travel as a tool to defeat the enemy... But you're not reversing what's already happened, which is usually what happens, right, in a time movie. You're like, right. oh, we'll just go back in time and, and kill Hitler and World War II never happens. But no, you can't do that in this. The rules say you can't. But we can go back in time, get something, a tool to help us. We'll go back to present time and reset everything and kind of, well, not reset everything, sorry, just make everything better again. Defeat Thanos, essentially, by bringing back the half of the universe. I, th I think it's really clever. And... I kind of just had that epiphany just then, but like it's actually really cool. Like it's it's not conventional time travel at all. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a cool little spin on it, and they they they're really comprehensive about explaining that to you. Eh? Yeah, they are, but but they're, but they're also succinct enough that it's not too deep and heavy. Yeah, yeah, I, I recall at some point they were like they said something to the effect of like, yeah, this is just how it is. Like just accept yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Hulk is like, <laughs> um, he's like, oh, you, you know, we can't. You, you can't change the future, like, there's nothing you can do about it. And, yeah, and then you kind of have to accept it. And then he had a really good quote where, like, 
the your the past that you're going into is still your future therefore you can't change your future and it's like it's kind of a confusing line but when you actually read into it it makes complete sense it's like saying that when you go back into the past you're just creating a future for yourself your timeline and that's what happens in your future yeah yeah it's not changing your past like it's so cool but I mean, but so so in terms of that though, that's kind of a hole in it because now that they have the stones in that original timeline, you know, I guess we just should just take what the ancient one said with a grain of salt. That's probably the best explanation for it. But it all it all kind of does make sense on paper, except they fucked up the timeline because Loki got the space stone right after Avengers. Well, that's the alternate timeline. So there's a timeline out there where Loki did get the space stone and didn't, and he escaped after the events of the first Avengers movie, which is people speculating yeah. could be in one of the what if episodes. Yeah. But like it, it happened in their timeline. No, it didn't. Like, because as soon as you change the past, you create an alternate timeline. That's the point. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. You can't, you, they can't. So, so that's what I'm trying to say, right? Like by them changing the past, it doesn't change their present at all. That's what's so clever about it. Like, so they they can never reverse and pretend they can never go back in time and prevent what Thanos did. They can just go back in time to get the stones to re-click and get everyone back. Do you get what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I it's, do. It's when you wrap your head, but then, and and this brings me to the biggest qualm of all because they've kind of dug themselves a hole here. That means Captain America should never have got back as an old man because if he went back in time and and changed history by getting with Peggy after he returns a stone, right, which never happened in our timeline, then that means he branches off into an alternate timeline. It doesn't make sense that he actually comes back at the end of the movie and sees Falcon as an old man. Right, so... And the Russo brothers have accepted it. That, that That's like, they, they kind of came out with a cop-out answer, like, oh, you know, that's just time travel, it's confusing, but they know that they fucking... That's the biggest qualm of this movie. Um... Yeah, so, like, in Steve's own timeline, that could have happened, right? But I'd like to imagine in the in the timeline that we're in for the majority of the movie, Steve just goes to replace all the Infinity Stones, and then he just never comes back because he just goes in his own timeline. Yeah, that's how it should have been. So he, he shouldn't have come back. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah. They, they, if he did, if they yeah. didn't include that fucking Falcon bench scene, then, you know, it would have been all good. But, yeah, that's the one big climb I had. They kind of sacrificed little bit of the continuity of the plot for the sake of showing Captain America as an old man and giving the shield to him. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> God, this movie has so many memes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ridiculous number. Yeah. So they're my, they're my clowns. Well, real quick, what's your, what's your favorite meme? In general or from Avengers? Well, fr- from, uh, yeah, Infinity War or Endgame. The one where Cap is in the... I don't know if this is from this one or not. Or it might have been from Winter Soldier, but the one where he's in the elevator with a bunch of Hydra guys. Yeah. I think it's from... if It's from... um I'm pretty sure it's from Winter Soldier because whichever the one had Hydra in it. Because in the meme, it's it's that fucking bloke with the glasses, a bald guy, and he turns around yeah. and kind of looks at him. Have you seen the meme format? Yeah, and, and he it's whispers like, in his It's like usually something. a... Yeah, yeah. Like something yeah, yeah. that aggravates him. And then, and then they all get onto him and he's like, and Captain America's getting choked out. Like, which doesn't happen in Endgame because he, they give him the ro- the scepter because he says, Hail Hydra. Yeah. I think mine, I don't know, there's so many good ones. I, I like the one where, you know, it's like, I use the blank to destroy the blank. Yeah. In such <laughs> a versatile a meme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said before, <laughs> practically anything Thanos said is a meme. Have you thought about it that he's the only Marvel villain that doesn't quip? Yeah. 
He doesn't make jerks. No, that, that, yeah. I love him. He's it's just, I don't know, it just help, helps the gravity of the Yeah, the like, conflict, he's a serious know? bloke with a serious mission. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, he, yeah. I, I, I respect <laughs> him, man. Like, he's fucking just such a fucking good antagonist, apart from his dumb argument. But, like, you know, fuck. Yeah. The way he was portrayed in Endgame was awesome. They actually weren't going to originally kill him off in Endgame. I don't really know how that would have gone, but they, that wasn't the original intention. They kind of added in last minute. Well, I was hoping before Endgame came out, my hope for how Endgame would play out was that Thanos attaining attaining godhood would like change him. You know, like mm. he would maybe realize some higher truth or something. Because that I think that's what happens in one of the comics when Doctor Doom yeah. gets Infinity Gauntlet, and then he, yeah. he because he gets all this knowledge, he realizes that Reed Richards is a better man to wield it than him. So he like just gives it up to him. Yeah. So I was hoping that it would it would become like this super ontological like existential journey that thanos would go on and nah, but yeah, it, it would have been too much like yeah, yeah. that that's for like phase fucking six or some shit if <laughs> yeah. there's gonna be such a thing like you know like because there's some weird like there's so much shit that they could explore like the celestials and all that like these and, and you know the planet eaters and like these villains that just fucking destroy planets like you know like when, it's just amazing like how much content there is they can cover yeah Right. Is there anything else? No, they're the only qualms I had. Oh yeah. No, otherwise the fucking it's wrapped up everything pretty well. Yeah. Like I was looking through like, like because uh, I got these from a list, right? I didn't think of them myself, but um, like people were just trying to like get the dumbest fucking things to talk about, like to to judge about this movie. And one of them was like, I, didn't I send it to you? Like they're playing Fortnite, fucking <laughs> yeah. the rock guy that's acted by YTD. They're playing Fortnite, right? And then, and then one of the guys, like, legitimately, like, oh, plot hole, oh, what happened to, like, Apex Legends and <laughs> PUBG five years in the future? Why aren't they portraying that? And it's like, bro, what? Like, like, and he's, like, like saying, oh, Fortnite wouldn't exist in five years' time. It's like, how do you know? How is that even a valid fucking plot hole? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, you can tell people... Are you are just... sure he wasn't taking the piss? No, it was on a fucking, like, proper article. <laughs> I've got the link somewhere. I'll maybe leave it in the description. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was, like... Just, like, people grabbing at fucking straws, like, because this movie is so well done, there's not much to bad things to say about it, like, in terms of conclusions, it's, it's amazing. Time doesn't work that way. Changing the past doesn't change the future. Look, we go back, we get the stones before Thanos gets them. Thanos doesn't have the stones. Problem solved. Bingo. That's not how it works. Oh, that's what I heard. Wait, but who? Who told you that? Star Trek, Terminator, Time Cop, Time After Time. Quantum Leap. Wrinkle in Time, Somewhere in Time. Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Basically any movie that deals with time travel. Die Hard? No, that's not one. This is known. I don't know why everyone believes that, but that isn't true. Think about it. If you travel to the past, that past becomes your future. And your former present becomes the past. Which can't now be changed by your new future. Exactly. The future is a bunch of bullshit. All right, so I think we'll go into what the subtext of this film is, if there is some. You know, obviously, it being a conclusion, that's what the emotional underpinning is about. A conclusion for all these characters to pretty much wrap up this saga. And have you th have you thought about how the first shot of this movie is an arrow landing on its target, like a symbol for predestination? Nope, I did not at all. Which, by the way, that <laughs> scene was meant to be in Infinity War, but they moved to Tangier. Oh, interesting. Yeah, bit of trivia. Do you reckon that's purposeful? Like, that it's the opening scene? 
it's kind of symbolic of the movie. Yeah. What, the arrow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I think it's that was, that was a clever thing to do. Clever choice. So what are you saying? Like, just that. How does it work? Well, you know, Thanos' whole thing is about destiny, things being inevitable. Yeah. And likewise, I think the feeling you get from watching any conclusion in any media, you know, it's very kind of fatalistic. And I think the gravity of conclusions is manifested when you're able to contrast how a character is at the beginning of their journey and at the end. And in the case of Endgame, this is literalized as, you know, the the plot is time travel and they go back and actually face themselves, Mm. right? Mm. And see their own shortcomings. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, the main internal conflict within the Avengers is manifested as Tony and Cap go about virtue in different ways of, like, how to be a hero. Yeah. And, you know, as, as demonstrated in Civil War, Cap embraces his failures as a hero and turns them into motivation to keep trying. And he has a quote in Civil War where he's like, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. If we can't find a way to live with that, next time maybe nobody gets saved. And, you know, he he, he's, he comes from World War Two, a time of like black and white of, you know, good guys fighting Nazis, pretty much. Wasn't any moral complexity and that's his whole <laughs> yeah, cornerstone sure. as a character. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, uh, I've like, got some not, things not, to say about not that. Not with real life <laughs> context. No, no, no. Yeah, but it's in just, the movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously the comic was written at a time as well when, like, yeah, fucking America, like Captain America's got to be the guy, the really good moral guy. It's like, you know, nothing yeah. about America that's really great. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think the first Captain America is trying to portray the complexities of no. war or anything like no, that. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> just so, just for the sake of you know. The diegesis of the MCU. That's no, definitely. What it, yeah. What it, his cornerstone is that he's a man out of time. You know the, and that struggle is accentuated by all the complexities of acting moral in this new age. You know, in this world full of trolley problems. Mm. You know what I mean by that? Oh, trolley problems is in like a uh, utility. You know, the moral arguments. You're talking about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Pull like, the lever. Like deontology or utilitarianism. Yeah. Whereas Tony's whole struggle is an outward reflection of his core as a pragmatist. So, and again, this is accentuated by the gravity of the threat he knew was always going to come. You remember in Age of Ultron, he had that vision of all the Avengers dying. Yeah. Hence why he built Ultron, because of his paranoia of failing as a hero. Yeah. Right. So both their conclusions are so fitting because Cap finally overcomes his ability, his inability to move on from being the lone man against the world. Because his conclusion is that he finally comes home from the fight and, you know, settles down and lives a life. And Tony finally overcomes his paranoia of not doing enough as a hero. That is, he sacrifices himself after having a family, which he was too afraid to do throughout the series. Yeah. And as I was saying, these these shortcomings are brought to the forefront of the film as they literally revisit their timelines. Again, part of the reason Tony was had all these apprehensions about starting a family is because of his the issues with his dad, right? Yeah, and then he—that's reconciled as they go back in time, and he meets his dad, and he sees that oh, his dad had all the same kind of shortcomings as he does. Yeah, and that's he's a just good a point. Person and he really did love his kid. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and in this way, the subtext of the film becomes the actual text, right? It's like the controlling idea is the most salient thing, and so yeah. And that's that's what I love about this film is that it's still, it's still really plot heavy. Yet it's doing all this emotional labor at the same time, right? Yeah. And yeah, they meld seamlessly to provide like an epic adventure while also being a story about people and how they grow. Yeah. 
And man, like that's that's some beautiful stuff, man. <laughs> it really is, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Like it's just a perfect conclusion. Like just everything about it. Yeah, and I like the whole the the spirit of this film is just about fulfillment. Even before I articulated all of this, and I'm sure it's the same for you, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people that you just feel that, right? You just feel that fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, through those character arcs, as well as uh, through, I guess, what people have been calling fan service, which you know, like that has a pretty bad connotation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So, for example, Cap lifting Mjolnir at the end battle, you know, that was like set up in. Age of Ultron. It wasn't necessarily a setup, I suppose. It was just like a joke. And then Thor was like, oh shit. And it was a funny moment, which made sense because Cap would, you'd think that Cap would be able to lift Mjolnir because of how virtue he is, virtuous yeah. he is. And then that's that becomes like a really big thing in this last battle. It's like a, it's a, it's a beat that has a lot of meaning behind it that makes sense and was set up and, you know, it progresses the story. Yeah. And it's just like th- those little details, those little fan service moments are are also feed into that sense of fulfillment, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you, it's yeah, yeah. not even, like, you don't want to say fan service because, like, fan service does sound bad, which I don't think it should sound bad. Like, I think it's a completely yeah. fine way to film a movie, but it's about intertextuality, like, having these little things in there, just little Easter eggs to look out for, that if you've paid attention to it enough, then you're really going to see these things and appreciate the movie even more, which I, I guess is, is ultimately fan service because the only people that are going to notice these little things are the fans. But right. at the end of the day, the whole premise of MCU rests on people watching multiple movies, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you need to include things from previous movies. You can't just like, no one watches just Endgame. They've watched Endgame, but they've also watched Thor Ragnarok and Iron Man 2 or whatever, you know, a bunch of other movies. And so seeing those relations is a necessity for this. And that's why it's so successful as well. And I don't think it should be seen as a negative thing at all. Like, you know, people do it with Star Wars all the time. Like, you know, in other other universes, I think it's a completely apt way of, of storytelling. Yeah, well, it's just in the way that a film has set up in the first act and it pays it off in the third act, this just does it over multiple movies, you know? It's the same principle. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and it, it is strange that it has this... Uh, negative connotation like as if you know i think the argument is that it's a, a cheap way to have like an emotional spike i, I suppose but it's <laughs> but why is it cheap yeah exactly like, like if you didn't include it in there then we would have just not had these moments where we could think about it. but it it wouldn't have made much difference to the overall film at all yeah yeah you know like if cap picked up mjolnir or not it doesn't really matter like people always have this like the major qualm that people have with rogue one right completely irrelevant but star wars rogue one is that the whole final scene with darth vader like you know slashing up the rebels was just oh it's just fan service it's not good but like it, it, it's not even a valid argument like that that scene like made the movie for me yeah same. because yeah sure i love darth vader and i love star wars right so yeah it is sort of fan servicey but even if you watch that movie for the first time the first star wars movie that's still a fucking sick scene and you don't need the context. You can just tell like, oh, this guy wearing a black mask with the red lightsaber is obviously a bad guy and he's very strong. You know, like like people just kind of like really get worked up about this whole fan service shit, but it doesn't actually like, there's no basis for getting worked up about it. It's completely fine having it in a film. <laughs> yeah, which is something I wanted to talk about. Um, so I think the thing about this film, man, is that it is, it's mainstream. It's the most mainstream 
I guess, like series or like fiction that is out right right now, right? And so mm. it's susceptible to a level of scrutiny which it otherwise would never be. And it like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if this was a niche kind of thing, if only like only a select group of people knew about this series, it would be like the coolest fucking thing ever. But, the you know, just the fact that it is so mainstream is just like, I think people feel the need to, you know, like counterculture for counterculture's sake. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, definitely. Like, it's got more popularity, yeah, yeah. therefore it's going to have more critics. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it it does deserve. It, it requires more criticism, in my opinion, as well, because oh, yeah, the yeah. movie's going to make two point eight billion dollars. You know, I want to fucking make sure it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, because Avatar. Sucks. I, I, I don't really mind. Like, I, I'm a big proponent of being critical of all mainstream popular things you know like i think that is a totally a necessity we need to have in culture but mm. yeah i mean it's at the end of the day it's not trying to be fucking casablanca you know it's just entertainment and it's really good at being entertainment yeah 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 yeah. but at the end of the day is isn't that like people say it's not film but what what was what was film originally intended for yeah true entertainment exactly what else entertainment then you tell mm. the story or or lesson or teach whatever you need to because without entertainment no one's gonna fucking watch it yeah and people watch avengers so i'd say it's darn successful you know how like scorsese compared it to theme park rides no well you keep quoting this but i've never actually like i don't really know much about scorsese and i've never watched actually many of his movies but what did he say uh he he said that like well first of all he said it's not cinema because it's more (laughs) like in line with a th- like a roller coaster and then i was thinking about this analogy like he's, he's actually i think it's actually quite apt like if you think about like really kind of deep emotional films like going through a museum and then you think of these films as roller coaster rides like yeah i can i can see that Bro, but like not, I, don't, not, I don't what about what but like well okay so what's a museum fucking tour what kind of film is a museum tour um like tax, um, uh, <laughs> I was about to say taxi, taxi driver, driver, but it's one of Scorsese's films. Like, no, of course yeah, you would say that one... about his films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, okay, we're well, good films we've reviewed, in our opinion, Uncut Gems, 1917, Parasite, The Lighthouse. Yeah. I would say they're more akin to fucking roller coasters than a museum ride. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. And they're 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 critically acclaimed as good films as well. That's not just us saying it. They actually got awards. Like, sure, Avengers doesn't get too many like Academy Awards, but those films got Academy Awards. And 1917 is definitely more of a roller coaster than a fucking museum tour. That's for sure. That is that is a really good point. And maybe Scorsese just likes boring films or some <laughs> shit. I haven't seen like is Taxi Driver slow or something? I don't know. Oh, dude, it's it. the fucking slow. It's so boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> isn't it good? I thought it's a good movie. Like, yeah, people it's, always rave on about. I it. guess it's deep, but like, it's fuck. It's a slog. Anyway, um, yeah. So Scorsese's just a being a dick which is weird because like you know like he he also directed the wolf of wall street which is like a fucking high energy romp yeah yeah that's a good move but it's now he's just contradicting himself because that's a fucking (laughs) roller coaster too (laughs) yeah i don't know man like uh, like what is the point of his argument like (laughs) this is probably like the most pointless (laughs) argument i've ever like you know uh, god um yeah i there's no why bother putting distinctions on it like that like yeah i don't know it's fucking film yeah. at the end of the day it, it, it's yeah makes money that's what it's for you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway 
I think we'll wrap it up about there. Uh, Mitchie, do you have any recommendations for this week? Do I have a recommendation? Wait, before that, let's talk about what does this mean for the Marvel Universe or Marvel Cinematic oh, right, Universe? Right. And in my opinion, I think Endgame is the end of the Golden Age, which sounds bad. I think the at least for a significant period of time, the MCU has kind of reached a climax. And from now on, it's all going to be steady state where it will still keep making a lot of money. It will have a lot of like fan bases and stuff, but there's not going to be a box office record like there was for at least some time, right? Oh, yeah. And I think what what I like about it is, it's like if you could span this over generations, this MCU idea, because this is our generation, like what like what I said at the start, like, like the MCU that we've experienced thus far up to Endgame from Iron Man, that those three phases is like our MCU, right? Well, to me anyway, like I really appreciated it growing up. And, you know, you could apply that to any age anyway. But I think the next couple phases, it's not going to be as appreciated as much by the people who enjoyed the first three phases, but there's going to be a whole new bunch of people, whether they're growing up or whether they're old people that just start watching new movies that are going to appreciate those phases more than next. And, you know, like there'll be, it's kind of cool to think that there's going to be all these different phases that kind of apply to different people and different generations almost. Yeah. um, I think that's, that is very entirely possible. I'm not too sure about what will actually happen. All I know is that what I want to happen is for it to get fucking wacky, which it looks like it, it kind of is. Like, um, so, you know, they've got that series coming out, like, what if? Mm. And, uh, you know, that they released the trailer for that new WandaVision show, which looks pretty wacky. Like, have you seen that? No. What is it? it uh, it's just like, it's as if they're in a sitcom and it just goes through like a, a lot of different variations of like the same scene of, as if they're like in different shows or something. Right. Like it, it looks pretty strange. And then, you know, of course there's the sequel to Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, which just that title is pretty wacky. And, and I can imagine that they, they might do the thing that DC have been doing these last couple of years, which is like bringing in random old uh, prop, like, so, for example, uh, you know the Superman movie with Kevin Spacey that came out, like, a long time ago? No, what? Kevin Spacey? Yeah, he was Lex Luthor. Do you not remember this? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that, like, when I was young. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, anyway, the, the Superman from that, they brought him into the new DC universe. Do you know this? No, as who? As Superman. What? Is, I thought Henry Cavill's the new Superman. Well, yeah, in, in the DCEU, but, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, this is... um. But even so, and they they've even combined the DCEU and TV shows, and the 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 Flash from the movie series was in yeah. the t- the TV series, the DC TV series, and the 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 Flash from the TV series and uh, Ezra Miller's Flash met. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like they they're doing some like really you know fucking like out there shit, and that's what I think Marvel will start doing. Like there have been rumors that Tobey Maguire is going to come back as Spider Man. You know, like, uh, I, I think they're going to do that kind of How's shit. How's that going to fucking work? We've got Tom Holland. Well, that... It just... Uh, you know... It, how are you going to reconcile that? It doesn't make any sense. What? With the multiverse of madness, if, you know, it just goes through parallel timelines and shit. Oh, like, literally... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I could... That'd be interesting from... And I feel like that's just more of a nostalgic thing, like, which is what we're kind of talking about, like, trying to link everything together, right? But... Why not just explore things that are new? Also, I feel like there's going to be a lot of licensing issues with that because all these different different things are made by different people. Yeah. Although, 
I guess once you buy the rights to a character, don't you have like access to all of it or some shit? I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So Sony is fucking being a real like childish about the rights to Spider Man. So that actually might not happen. But yeah, they are. Uh, we need we need to get uh Fantastic Four back into it properly. Yeah, well, yeah, they've got the rights to that now, so they can. Yeah, make a decent movie for once. Anyway, my point is that I'm just hoping things will get wacky because you know they they've wrapped up the Infinity Saga, they've done it, they've done it competently, they've done it well, and now is the time for experimentation. I'm hoping. Yeah, it is. You're completely right because um yeah the the main issue is is that you've upped the stakes too much that you can't just keep making like Avengers-esque movies where you just have some supervillain, yeah. right? So like, yeah, they're going to have to think of something different. The next Avengers, the stake is going to be the multiverse. Yeah. Every universe is going to die. <laughs> I think that's it though. You can't go any further than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trick. <laughs> well, please be my guest. Come on. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. Clint, you've had a tough week. We won't hold it against you if you can't get it up. <laughs> you know I've seen this before, right? Yeah. Nine. <laughs> Still don't know how you do it. <laughs> Go, Steve. No pressure. Come on, Cap. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Anyway, what are your recommendations? So, it's about the intertextuality, right? Like, there's not many things that, like, just build up so much intertextuality like the MCU. Hmm. There's so many connections and there's so many different movies and TV shows that you can watch. And I'm, I'm sure there are other examples as well, but one that really means a lot to me is Doctor Who. Right. Because... There are just, I've been thinking about it, there's like a lot of similarities between Doctor Who and MCU in the sense of just world building. Because Doctor Who is the oldest sci-fi TV show in the world. Hmm. And it first aired in 1963. There's a lot of stuff that they built on that. And if you really watch all of it, then it's kind of akin to watching all the Marvel movies where you can see little bits here and there. And like a lot of the techniques that they use in Doctor Who... Like, especially in a new season, like, like they kind of have a bunch of characters that you kind of grow emotionally, you, you emotionally connect to these characters, right? And then always in the finale of each season, these characters come together and defeat some common enemy, right? Which is kind of basically exactly what the Avengers is. Yeah. So you got all these different characters built up in previous episodes or films, and then they come in at the end. And they always increase the stakes of every season as well in Doctor Who, or at least they did for some of it until they had to kind of stop increasing the stakes. But, like, it's similar to the Avengers in that sense. And the use of score, where I love film scores, and that's a big part to me of watching films is, like, the score means a lot to me. You know, a lot of people don't really care about it too much, but it means a lot. And I like the Avengers score because each character has his own melody or motif. Mm. And it's not just used to like, yeah, you play it when he comes on screen because that's his theme, but you can use it to foreshadow shit as well and kind of silently have it in the music somewhere where if you listen out to it, it can kind of reveal things that might happen later on in the plot, you know? Mm. And they do that in Doctor Who as well, where like each character has their own kind of theme and you can use it to foreshadow so many different things. And Doctor Who also has like this, the inherent basis of it is time travel. And that's used so often to kind of nostalgically revisit things, which is exactly what Endgame did. Like, and in, in I just like, in terms of universe building, I see that TV show as like 
something that's comparatively similar to Avengers, really, in the MCU. Yeah, uh, my roommates have been watching Doctor Who recently, and uh, there was one night they were watching that one where Donna's, you know, it's it's the finale where all the companions come back, Donna, Martha, and Rose, and Sarah. Yeah, the Davros one, where they <laughs> wipe out the universe. <laughs> that's... The premise of it is that... Is that... Yeah, they, they've got the... Uh, I forgot what it was called, but they incinerate or kind of vaporize people as a test. But the whole point is, is that Davros presses his button and it literally just breaks down the entire universe into individual atoms. And and that's the final season of um, David Tennant's story arc, right? He's the 10th Doctor. No, no, it's it's it, it's not that one. It's It's the one where at the end he creates a clone of himself and then him and Rose go off... It's it's the one where Donna gets it's Donna's finale. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. It's the one with the Daleks. Oh, yeah, it? so okay. the Daleks invade Earth and they kind of steal planet Earth right and put it in some weird alignment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right, yeah. You're not stumped. I'm a fucking dork <laughs> when it comes to Doctor Who and and like, but but that's what I mean, right? Like that's the, like Russell T Davis, the showwriter for that. The first season finale was they were going to destroy Earth. The second season they were going to kind of like really destroy Earth. And then the third season, they were going to destroy Earth again, but like even worse, and sort of like at the end of time itself. And then the fourth season, um, that one we're talking about, Davros just wants to literally like break down the entire universe into nothing. Like, like again, it's like increasing the stakes every finale of the season. They obviously had to stop once Matt Smith came in, because you can't just keep doing that shit forever. Mm. But like, it was such an apt four seasons of the like having that in- like it's just so many similarities to me between that and like the mcu just just more the way that they kind of devise things and in-, in the plot yeah yeah it's uh, uh yeah i always love that team up shit yeah it's um, good eh? i haven't actually seen it but i've learned recently that you know so there's the dceu which is not great but then there's the dc animated universe which comprises which is which is comprised of about seventeen films, I think. Right. And it's it's recently ended with uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War or something, mm. which is pretty much the end game of that universe. And apparently, it's really good. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm keen to watch that, man. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, where can people find us, Mitchie? You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you have any questions, send us an email at mail at or visit our website where you can find a list of our growing podcasts and also our Facebook and Instagram page. And what are we doing next week? That is a good question. You want to do Drive? Yeah, all right, let's do it. Drive it is. Ryan Gosling and what's her name from Doctor Who? Uh, no, is it her? Yeah, it is. It, I was right. I, I, was, I thought she was in Doctor uh, Who. Okay. She was. She was in the one with the Weeping Angels, the very first one in the third season. Oh, yes, it's Sally Sparrow. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah, Sally Sparrow. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised too, yeah. You're totally right. Yeah, okay, cool. So join us next week for that. Cool. All right, yeah. See ya. Bye. Avengers! Assemble.